Mariners country. Let's ride. One, two, three, four. Welcome back, Mariners fans, to week two of the Forks Down podcast. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Bo Chisholm. Ricky Clark, how are we doing, big guy? Ready to uh, ready to get get it on and talk some Mariners baseball? I, I am. I am. You know, week two, We I, I want to thank everyone that listened to week one. Uh, we have been watching the views. We've had a lot of... Uh, friends and family members get a hold of us and uh, really say that they like what they're hearing. And, uh, you know, like I said last week, we are, uh, that was our first podcast and we are here to improve and hopefully, you know, we continue to prove every week for you guys. Um, for those of you that are checking out are new to, to Forks Down, um, you know, didn't listen to week one, uh, go back and listen to it. I know, Bo. I I thought it was a pretty good show, right? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I thought, um, yeah, just uh, you know, thoughts on Mariner baseball, what we want to do this off season. I think just to kick it, kick us off, get a little bit of know about us, and um, yeah, what we're all going to be about. So uh, hopefully, we can have many more, many more to come. But yep, go back and listen to it, and uh, encourage everybody to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we uh, go back. You'll hear Bo talk about going to the first Mariners baseball playoff baseball game in 21 years. And then we just recapped offensively. So take your time, go back and listen to it. But that was last week. This is this week. We're shooting on Halloween. Uh, I'm not seeing any trick-or-treaters out my window. So that's good. Hopefully the dogs don't bark. (laughs) But Bo, we got offense last week. We're doing, you know, probably – my favorite part of the game, the pitching. And the Mariners really had a very good pitching uh, staff in 2022. Um, you know, kind of up and down with the starters, but really the bullpen, uh, I, I thought the bullpen was, uh, you know, the the cog that kept the wheel moving for this team. Yeah, just like 2021, right? Like 2021, we had a... We had an awesome bullpen, and 2022 we had a, a great bullpen. And um, you know, I I think the starting was just fine this year, right? I think that um, maybe we are you know looking at our rotation now and what it looks like compared to what it was like opening day, right? There's been some changes that be like, oh, I wonder how this all shook out, but. Um, you know, I think with uh, how the starters performed, I think as we went along, some guys really developed, um, the mm-hmm. bullpen developed, the guy, a lot of guys came on that um, did really well. And um, I think especially, you know, we saw some of that bullpen in the playoffs and then a couple of guys really kind of stand out, I think, especially in the starting rotation that I think is uh, really bodes well for the future. So um, I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to kind of talking about kind of where this pitching staff is going and like its accomplishments and, um, you know, the, the outlook for 2023. Yeah. Well, you know what? Hey, the hot stove is already burning for the Mariners. Um, 
I don't know if you uh, baseball fans, Mariners fans, I guess, uh, saw uh, two uh, transactions of note hit uh, MLB trade rumors. One, uh, we signed Luke Weaver from, well, formerly of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, he played, he started with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, a lot of people know him, though, from his baseball um, standoff with Robbie Ray when they were in Kansas City during the anthem. Um, it got them both ejected, if I remember correctly, um, which was uh, kind of hilarious to see uh, the umpires kind of go on a power trip there. Yeah, totally fun, right? And now, now the now they're all on the same team. So, um, looking forward to the national anthem next year to see how that goes. But uh, no, man, Luke, we're if they're on the uh, same team, if they're on the same team, who are they going to battle now? Like, come on, like, what the heck? They're just going to stand out there and get both themselves ejected? Hey, if it's if they both pitch the day before. Screw it. Why not? Um, but anyways, man, no, Luke Weaver, um, I think it's uh, it's kind of interesting, right? Um, he's a former first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a couple good, decent decent seasons, like per- perfectly fine seasons at Arizona to start off with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to Arizona and then St. Louis, right? Um, and if you look at, like, his line this year, right, he had – he did start and then he moved to the bullpen. Um but uh, he had one really bad start. I think he gave up like nine runs in that one start. So his ERA and a bunch of his other numbers are inflated simply because that one start. But, um, you know, I think he's going to come into the bullpen. And I know that you can, you you, you can pick, we'll pick your brain about this, about maybe does he end up in the starting rotation? You know, I think that fifth spot's under a little bit of contention. I know you have mm-hmm. your crazy thoughts about who should be the fifth starter, but I'll, 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 I'll bring us back to earth about who I think the fifth starter really should be. So we'll, we can discuss that's that and get to that. Okay. But um, anyways, no man, uh, Luke Weaver and then Renes Elias uh, elected free agency. Um, Renes a couple sprints, a couple of different times with the Mariners. So um, I really enjoyed Renes when he was with the Mariners. Um, guy just getting too. older and, you know, looking forward to um, seeing where his career might go. Maybe he goes over to Japan, et cetera there. I don't know, but um, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts about Renes and Luke, but um, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, I think good, good solid moves that I think Jerry's been known for in the past and, um, you know, bringing mm-hmm. Luke especially on. So um, see how that develops. I, I, I'm going to miss a Ronis Elias. I mean, I know I am just because uh, he's had a few stints and he might not be the most solid of pitchers, but like he comes in when we need him, you know, you, you need someone to come up because you're not a doubleheader. You know, he's he's at the ballpark. Um, you know, and so whatever he does next, I, I wish him well because um, maybe he wasn't the best, but he sure was a lot of fun. So, and Luke Weaver, yeah, I – Bo calls me crazy, but I, I think he could end up in the starting rotation. So, yeah. But anyways, Bo, let's, let's backtrack a little bit, you know. Um, this season, the bullpen, I know we were talking before, the bullpen was the, um, I think, the sixth um, best bullpen statistically in the major leagues. Yeah, that's right. So I think, you know, kind of um, sixth best bullpen in terms of ERA this year, fourth best in the American League. Um, 
and it was kind of a similar story last year. I think the the interesting part is just it kind of talks about how bullpens change over time. But, um, you know, in 2021, um, you know, the, I think our three best bullpen pitchers um, were Paul Seawald, Steckenrider, um, and, well, maybe you should, I guess you can throw Kendall Graveman in there. And obviously Kendall Graveman, you know, moved on, et cetera there. But Casey Sadler mm-hmm. was also very good in 2021 for the brief time that we saw him. Um, and, you know, those three of those guys didn't really pitch or didn't really have much of an impact in the bullpen in 2022. Right. Um, you know, Munoz and, um, Munoz and Eric Swanson and Matt Brash coming out of the bullpen were really kind of big for the Mariners this year. In addition to like guys like Penn Murphy, um, you know, Paul Seawald did what, you know, was expected of him and so did Diego Castillo. Um, so there was just a lot of guys that came out of the bullpen this year that I think did, uh, you know, fill the gap of maybe like a Casey Sadler, a second rider, a Graveman last year. Um, and that's just kind of what bullpens kind of need to do, right? They just kind of have to find the guys that are going to be able to fill the spots and come in and get the guys out when they need to get them. And it was just, uh, it's impressive to see. I think Jerry's done a pretty good job at finding just guys in a bullpen that can kind of come out and get, get the outs when they need them to. So I'm really confident. Like that's what, like this Luke Weaver pickup. I feel like that's a really solid pickup. That's somebody that, you know, I think throws hard enough and has some decent off speed, off speed stuff that, you know, if they want to start him in the rotation, great. If they want, if it doesn't work out in the rotation, then maybe he goes to the bullpen and, you know, he's a lockdown, he's a lockdown reliever. So very confident. And that's why I love talking about kind of the pitching and the, the staff that the Mariners have, right. It's just that I feel like the Mariners have something, have figured something out on the pitching side of things. Right. And I'd be curious to kind of get your thoughts on the bullpen, this pitching staff in general, like this bullpen, where do you think it's going, et cetera, there? Uh, you know what? I love what I saw from the bullpen. Uh, six best statistically. I mean, you could argue for at least the first three-fourths of the season, they were probably in the top three. Um, towards the end there, I, I felt like the guys were really getting worked. Um, guys like Munoz and, and Seawall, they blew a couple games. I don't, you know, they're great pitchers. I think that was more just the innings we were throwing their way. You know, they were coming in. They were our key guys. They were our big time, get big out guys. And you really can't win them all, you know. Um, but other than that, I mean, Seawall, Munoz, there's not much else to talk about them. They're coming in. They're doing their job. And Munoz really stepped up. This is his rookie season. Um, he uh, had TJ once did he have it twice i think it was just once right i thought it was just once munoz is still pretty young he's he's, i think he's looking at the depth chart he's only 23 so i mean he's coming off tj he comes in and i mean when we traded for him he was part of that trade package with ty france and um you know that bevy of guys for austin noah we knew when he was coming in we knew him as he throws 100 miles an hour. I think he exceeded our expectation this year because I didn't really, I didn't really think he could sustain the 100 mile an hour even coming back off TJ. He was throwing 102. He was throwing 30 pitches a game and still throwing 102. So I mean, um, as time went on, he didn't have the greatest start to the season. Uh, Bo and I went back and looked uh, his first. Uh, major league appearance this season 
he gave up a home run. So, I mean, he was very, uh, very not wishy-washy, but I think was trying to come into his own at the start of the season. And then by the end, I mean, if you look at the postseason, uh, Munoz was uh, basically Scott's guy. You know, he came in, got some big outs in yeah. Toronto, um, and then he was pitching uh, all three games, or at least two of the three games against Houston. So, I mean, Munoz was uh, really had the coming out party. We say last year Seawald had the coming out party. Comes in, was DFA'd by the Mets last year. Comes in, becomes this great guy that comes in and, and gets us out of um, but anyways, so let anyway, me let me I, hop in here. I guess my yeah. my my I was I was wondering about because Menunez pitched, I think he pitched five and I think he pitched like close to six innings in the postseason, right? Which I think was, you know, vastly more than maybe not vastly more, but you know, more innings than any other reliever that we had, and it felt like maybe Scott wasn't as. Kind of felt like Scott didn't quite trust maybe some of those other guys like Eric Swanson mm-hmm. or Penn Murphy in spots or Diego Castillo, which I kind of get, right? Menounos is your guy. It's the postseason. Every, I mean, you're on high alert, right? Everything matters. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want to go with your best guys, but it kind of felt like maybe he didn't, maybe trust isn't the right word. I think he probably trusted, I guess maybe he trusted Menounos more to kind of get the outs, and that's why he went with them, but. I probably would have liked to have seen, and I know we saw we saw almost every pitcher in the 18 inning, inning game, right? Yeah. Uh, but I kind of thought Munoz looked a little gassed in a couple of those games, right? The slider wasn't hitting in a couple spots. Um, I maybe would have liked to have seen what we could have gotten out of like Aaron Eric Swanson, a guy who had a really really good season in a couple of those games. Um, but uh, I get I get Scott's reasoning for it, but um, you know the bullpen kind of got you there in a lot of ways, right? Um, so maybe I would have liked to have seen him you know, throw out an Eric Swanson or um, maybe give another inning to, you know, Penn Murphy somewhere in there. But um, I totally get his reasoning for it. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, like Munez. And we'll, I think we're going to, I think we might debate a little bit about where, um, about where Munez is going to end up in the bullpen next year. Right. Um, whether he is the, the, the true setup man or kind of moving on towards the, the closer role, as they say, um, but uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Um, well, if you if you ask Mike Trout, um, you know he wouldn't want Eric Swanson anywhere near the mound. So, you know, maybe that's why we didn't see Eric yeah. Swanson in the postseason. Oh. Yeah, yeah, those Mariners—they're headhunters, I tell you. They're I tell you what—they're—they're they're headhunters. They're, they're headhunters. If you talk to the Blue Jays fans, Luis Castillo was a headhunter in the playoffs, but um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, really trying to throw, trying to because th- because trying to throw at a guy in a playoff game in which you've never made the playoffs in 21 years. I'm sure that's something that Luis Castillo is thinking about. But I digress. We can we, we can move on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, the bullpen was a uh, a very um, positive aspect of the Mariners' season. Um, you know, they had towards the end there they were kind of falling off, but you know, overall great bullpen. And then you know we we come back around. You know, we have a great bullpen because we kind of have a really 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 good um, rotation right now. I mean, obviously. We had Luis Castillo come in mid-season, 
So this year we're finally going to get a full season with them. We signed Robbie Ray, five years, $115 million. But, I mean, can we ask for any more out of Logan Gilbert and George Kirby? Like, like they were they were impressive, to say the very least on that. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I was at um, George Kirby's first start. Um, I thought that was one of the best games he pitched kind of all year. He kind of got Felix in the game where he pitched really, really well. Um, we ended up winning the game, um, but George Kirby, I think, came out after six innings of, um, I think, no no runs or anything like that. Um, but yeah, George Kirby was pretty good the entire season, um, in addition to Logan Gilbert who I think continues to make continues to make strides and then continues to mix up his pitch mix. Right. I think I was a little worried in 2021. It just felt like in 2021, I just felt like Logan Gilbert was just relying on the fastball too much. And I think he, he kind of changed his game a little bit in 2022 and um, he's becoming a more complete pitcher. Um, you know, George Kirby has um, a pretty decent pitch mix um, already kind of as the, as a, on his rookie season that he had this year. Um, and, uh, those two guys and their development, um, were really core to the Mariners. I think, um, see it's got successful season on the pitching side, but also you saw George Kirby, um, come into that game in Toronto, just, um, uh, ice in his veins, man, just kind of comes in there and gets the blue Jays and knocks them out of the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. super impressive. Like, and I, and, um, the same goes for Logan Gilbert, right? Six innings pitched in the Houston series and the next and the next, the Houston series in Houston, right? Like gave us every chance to win that game. Um, so like, um, you know, I don't think you could ask for two, like how exciting it is to have two guys that are true homegrown talents. You drafted them, you brought them up through your farm system. And these guys look like true two, three starters of your future. Right. And, you know, I think, I don't really know if there's much debate. I don't really know who you want to start in two or three next year. And I don't know if you have a thought on that. If you like George Kirby over Logan Gilbert or Logan Gilbert over George Kirby, I, I think probably, I think probably in the future, right? George Kirby, I think is going to be your solid number two. I wouldn't be surprised if Scott starts Logan Gilbert number two next year. I don't really have a, a strong opinion on either. I think Logan Gilbert is, has better stuff, right? So you could probably argue that he's a number two, but um, you know, if you want to put Logan Gilbert there, I have no, absolutely no problem with that. And then I L stink can change that pretty quickly, but mm-hmm. yeah, if you have any thoughts about that, but, um, it's kind of the way I feel about it. You know, when we're growing up, um, especially when we got into college, we talked about, uh, you, you had a little rule. You, you, um, talked about the rule of thirds when it came to our, uh, pitching prospects. I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do. I, I kind of see the smile on your face because I know you're remembering it. Uh, back, Bo's rule basically was um, we had three pitching prospects. We had James Paxton, we had Danny Holton, and we had uh, – who was the third one, Bo? It was – James Paxton. It was James Paxton, Danny Holton, and Taewon Walker. Okay, so it was those three. And uh, Bo's theory was at least one of those three were going to pan out. Um. Going and looking back at it, uh, you can kind of argue that two-thirds kind of panned out. Tawan Walker's still in the league. James Pax has been kind of bouncing around, but uh, he's been some uh, a big piece in some rotations um, since he came up. Uh, I feel like it's kind of similar here where we, you know, and I'm hoping it's it, your rule of thirds is all three pitchers turn out because 
Uh, Gilbert and Kirby really, you know, were the uh, most improved on the team. Uh, when it comes to who starts two or three going forward, pick it out of a hat. I mean, uh, Gilbert's going to throw you throw the gas. You can eat innings with him. Kirby, um, some of his, like, stats are wild when it comes to, like, first pitch, um, you know, first pitch strikes. Um, you know, there was that one game where he had, like, 24 straight strikes, so he's a very pinpoint pitcher. Um, and then, obviously, the third person, he's down in, in AAA right now, or AA, uh, Emerson Hancock. I'm hoping he comes up, does big things. But that's a, you know, that he's in the pipeline. You know, we, we I wouldn't necessarily think we need him right now because we do have six, potential seven, eight pitchers that could start for us. But Kirby and uh, and Gilbert, I mean, you could draw them out of the hat. I mean, it just really um, depends on what you're looking for. And, and like you said, it could change at any time. You could flip those guys. They're pretty interchangeable. Um, it, it just depends on what you're looking for on on that. So. Yeah, and I guess I, you know, I guess I should add like the the way I thought of like the the guy things come in threes right was really dependent upon like a Mariner developmental system that, to be honest, I didn't think really developed players very well, right? Like Felix is the very core exception of that. Kyle Seeger is an exception of that. Um, but I just didn't think the Mariners developed. I think a pitch, pitching especially well, and now. Like that has seemed to be like night and day difference now, right? Like I don't know what Andy McKay and team are are doing right. Like Andy McKay, um, the guys at um, you know the guys at Double A, like the strength and conditioning side, like uh, Michael Sadler, who was with Arkansas last year. I think he was with Tacoma this year, um, and like the whole entire. I know like the Mariners have a sports science group, etc. Like I don't know if it's just. Like the, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what's exactly going on there, but I feel like they've p- figured something out on the pitching side, right? Like these homegrown talents, Gilbert, um, you know, Gilbert, Kirby, they brought on Matt Brash a couple of years ago, right? Matt Brash has been, you know, Matt Brash obviously had to move to the bullpen, but still just a dominating slider. Um, you know, there's other guys we'll talk about, obviously maybe Emerson Hancock's a little bit of an exception to that. I think he went down with a lat injury last year. Right. But very hopeful that he'll be able to kind of come back and, you know, do something next year. But um, yeah, we've talked about, there's other guys there, Taylor Dollard, Prelander Baroa, these guys that, um, you know, I think they were drafted. They weren't drafted very high, but they were drafted with, not with the idea that they were going to be, you know, as maybe as renowned or as high as like a Gilbert or a Kirby, but these guys are starting to make waves in double A now. Um, and I just feel like the Mariners have figured something out on the pitching side. And it's just, uh, it's a delight to see because I felt like, the starting pitching and the bullpen, like they never, those two things never really lined up in the past in Mariner lore, right? Mm-hmm. I always felt like the starting pitching was pretty decent. We had like Felix and Iwakuma and James Paxton, right? But then like the bullpen wasn't very good. And there would be other years where the bullpen was relatively decent, but, um, you know, our pitch, our starting pitching was a little suspect. So I just, it's exciting to see it kind of all come together now and a huge, a huge call out to the Mariners strength and conditioning team, the minor league system, Andy McKay. Cause it's just, it's just super exciting to watch. And um, man, I'm just, I'm just the pitching side. I'm, I'm very excited for the future. I think the, the caveat to all this and the hope that is that we get to that, that 
the injury side of things really stays um, at bay, right? Like um, I really, really hope that's the, that's the future for us because we've had a lot of good string of good luck. I think kind of preventing Tommy John injuries, right. And I don't want to speak that into existence, but um, you know, I'm hopeful that we don't have any of that, you know, going forward, but um, knock on wood with that one. So yeah, um, that's my hope. There. Yeah. It, uh, it almost was kind of unheard of last year with how many, um, injuries were going around the league. Um, pitching, there was a lot of pitchers that were just getting demolished when it came to um, getting injuries. I mean, Tommy John's surgery is a lot more prevalent now than it has ever been. And honestly, like, outside of a couple minor injuries here and there, like, our pitching staff remained intact last year. So, yeah, shout out Andy McKay, James Clifford, Sports Science Group, good good job on keeping the guys healthy. And and hopefully as we continue forward and, and we continue to battle for playoff spots that uh, um, the pitching, you know, remains intact because that's, that's a big part of uh, getting to where we got last year was just pitching as a whole. Um, obviously, Bo, the big uh, – the big – I wouldn't say the turning point because we had a good uh, pitching staff. The big trade this year, Luis Castillo, um, we, we gave up a lot for him. Um, but I, I really think it paid off down the stretch. And so much so that we signed him to a big extension. I know you spent a little time with the Reds um, working in a couple different capacities. Uh, were you there when Luis Castillo was on the team? Uh, I was not, um, I think Castillo came on in 2017. I think I spent my 2000, the 2015 season there. Um, so I think he was kind of coming up, um, through the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, no, and Luis Castillo, um, you know, he's kind of been somebody that I, he was kind of been somebody that like, I never really watched a lot of his games, but I kind of always followed his stats and it was like, I don't want to say it always seemed like he was close to putting it together. And I felt like there was a couple seasons that he really put it together. He was somebody that like um, during the COVID season, right. Um, actually had a really like quiet, very good COVID season. Right. Like I think he, um, he, he threw, yeah, he threw 70 innings and had a really good ERA that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we should have been picked up on him a little bit more then, but um it was, and I, I guess, and where I, we can continue to talk, like talk, we'll talk, we'll, we'll, we'll still talk about Luis Castillo, but I wonder, um, you know, we've been talking about the positives, right? And I don't want to say it's a negative, but we can, and I think there's a lot that happened in the postseason that kind of affected this guy and people's perception of him. But I wonder how much getting a Luis Castillo was a reasoning that, right, maybe Robbie Ray wasn't as dominant mm-hmm. right maybe Robbie Ray really wasn't the the one that the Mariners were looking for right um or maybe they expected that and they just didn't get it and they thought about going and I, I know there was talk about them in the postseason and the offseason trying to go get Luis Castillo anyways but I wonder how much maybe Robbie Ray's minor struggles however you want to put it maybe not living up to the hype affected getting Luis Castillo and um, you know, we can kind of move into Robbie Ray, but I mean, uh, he's like, he's like, if you, if you kind of thought that same, thing. I, I think it was too, because currently if, if I'm going through my big board, right, not big board, that's draft stuff. If I'm going through my depth chart right now, 
Luis Castillo's the number one. We just signed him an extension. He's getting paid like a number one. Then you've got Gilbert. you got Kirby. They're coming on. You can put them however you want, two, three. Those are our two and three pitchers. Then you've got Robbie Ray. We signed him five years, $115 million, and he's a four starter. You know, so maybe it did. You know, he didn't have a great start to the season. So I don't, I don't know how much the Luis Castillo trade affected him. You know, honestly, I think it should have went the other way if it did affect him, you know, at all. I, I think it, it should have took some pressure off his shoulders, you know. And um, with Robbie Ray, I really – the games I watched with him, he has the strikeout stuff still. It's still there. He was striking out players at a high clip. Um, he, he did some tweaks. He had a really bad ball game in May. He did some tweaks. He started throwing a two-seamer a little bit more, and um, it kind of improved his game. Most of all, like every game, it seemed like there was just one or two innings where he'd go out and he would just throw meatballs. It would, you know, his, his like, especially that first game, and you can kind of blame the weather um, in Chicago in his first game in a Mariners uniform, I think, for, um, you know, how bad he kind of pitched at the start there. Uh, I thought that game should have been in a rain delay and they went out and they were, he was pitching, he was throwing meatballs. He couldn't get anything to break over the plate. He threw a slider like four times and it broke. It, it just, it stayed in the middle of the plate. So, uh, you know, some of his, uh, his struggles, um, you know, came at the start of the season. He obviously fixed that going forward, but, you know, I, I feel like something like a Luis Castillo trade should have really took the weight off his shoulders. And I don't know, it, it didn't. I mean, we saw that <laughs> that horror story that was game one of the ALBS. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if someone could have had a worse uh, postseason this season than Robbie Ray. You know, he got shellacked in the wild card game and he, he got shellacked in the LDS. So. Yeah. And it's super difficult to me because I think people attach, I mean, rightfully so people attach like the dollars and the figures to how much people make and, you know, were they even worth it, et cetera. And, um, which I totally get. Right. Um, and you know Robbie Ray had Robbie Ray was had a, I would say uh, a slower end of the year, and then obviously um, you know the you know the Jordan Alvarez home run is going to live in our minds for the rest of the time. Um, but uh, I still think that Robbie Ray, on like on a on his on his season as a whole, on his regular season as a whole, um, you know I think he very much pitched like. Um, you would expect out of like a third or fourth starter, right? Maybe probably maybe more of a third starter. Um, I still think he had a relatively fine season, right? Um, I think he, uh, you know, had times and I think he lost a little bit on his fastball and had a change over to a two seamer sinker, right? Um, which I think is encouraging. I think that pitchers, right. When they show a willingness to try something different, I think that's uh, I think that's a big win for the organization. I always thought that that was a problem with Felix is Felix didn't really want to change, right. Felix continued to wanted to throw the fastball and the changeup, and he didn't really try a whole lot of different things. Yeah. Right. 
have. I love Felix, but I wish he would have changed his approach mm-hmm. a little bit. And I think Robbie Ray is trying to do that a little bit right now. And it makes me hopeful that, um, you know, he's a four starter. And I think the surprising part is he's a four starter now. He was our opening day starter, our number one last year to start the season, right? So that's just a credit to the Mariners itself and the guys that we mm-hmm. have now. Um, but uh, I feel like he's fine where he's at. And I know people might gripe about how much he gets, he's getting paid and all that, but um, yeah, that's just a, that's just a function of the game, right? And at the time, um, at the time there was a lot of hype. I remember texting you about it, right? And you were like, "Oh man, this is uh, this mm-hmm. is awesome, right?" Because it's like this kind of felt like the Mariners were were making moves. They were going out there and getting players, right? This is kind of what people really wanted was to like actually show like we were actually putting money behind mm-hmm. the team. So I thought that it was a little symbolic of us getting Robbie Ray. I wished he may have performed to that ace level that we wanted him to, but um, and you know, I I'd be curious to see how you feel about where Robbie Ray fits into maybe the grand scheme of things on the team, right? Does he, we can talk about what I think in the future, we'll talk about our predictions for 2023 oh, yeah. and maybe where we think that, that's going to, that's going to definitely but, be a future episode. It's talking about our predictions, um, you know, going forward or, you know, maybe we could have some wild ones in that episode, but Robbie Ray has a place on this team. And like you said, it's very encouraging to see him go out and, Make those adjustments mid-season. Give him the off-season. Give him the off-season. Let him work on that two-seam, you know, sinker um, combination, and let him really um, come in on his own. Like, like let him just build it up during the off-season. And I, I think next season we can have another. Uh, we could have two or three Cy Young candidates next season. You know, maybe maybe I'm going a little bit bold there, but yeah. So I would like to move to, from a very privileged spot of like, I feel like we have one through four locked down. We can organize them and play them with them as you see fit. Um, I think there's probably going to be some debate about who is the, the quote-unquote fist starter next year. Um you know, you didn't really get to see a fifth starter in the playoffs. Um, you know, at the end of the towards the end of the season, it was Marco. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys you can argue to put in that place. Marco, Chris Flexen. Um, we just talked about Luke Weaver to start off the show. I, for one, believe that we should still give Matt Brash a chance. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be penciled in as Marco. The roster resource that has it penciled in as Marco right now. What are your what are your thoughts? I, it's tough. Marco is a Gonzaga Bulldog. I love Gonzaga and I want to see him succeed. I, I just don't think he's it. I really don't. Maybe this is the fickle fan in me. Um, I mean, you can argue, argue that he had the, um, same amount of quality starts as Robbie Ray did. So I don't know if that's a good look for Marco or a bad look for Robbie Ray. Um, I think they both had 17 this season. Um, I just, I don't know. It's not sexy. It, there was a big thing in the middle of the season where his pitching was not sexy. He's a good innings eater. You know, and, and you definitely need that during the regular season because you play 162 games. Um but I, I think we need to start looking elsewhere. Whether we look in house, we go Mount Brash, 
we go um, uh, Chris Flexen or we look outside, but I, I just don't think he's it. Well, I guess the question is, do you think Chris Flexen – I mean, it's pretty simple. Do you think Chris Flexen is going to win us more games? Do you think he's a better spot? Because I also have concerns about we're pretty right-hander heavy on this baseball team, right? Um, and we don't have a whole lot of lefties, right? I think we've – maybe you've mentioned that. Maybe we haven't. But, yeah, we got Robbie Ray. We've got – we might bring Matthew Boyd back. But, like, we don't really have a whole lot of lefties, right? So, like – would is that an interest to you right like bringing marco maybe like if he's not a starter like maybe into like a bullpen role or like what's how do you feel about that in a perfect world if i'm going perfect world if, if i'm the gm jerry dupoto's not the gm i would go i would make marco like a oliver perez type you know oliver perez was a starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then he bounced around throughout the league. He was with the Mariners at one point, um, but but basically to stay in the game as long as he did, he came out of the pen, and he was uh, some chances he was a long inning guy. Um, other chances he um, kind of towards the middle there. He he worked a lot of the seventh and eighth inning. Do I see Marco doing that? No, not really. But I would like to see him work out of the pen. You know, I, I want him on this baseball team, but I just I don't want him as a starter. So I would put him in the pen. And then if you're looking for another lefty, I mean, go look at the free agent market. I mean, obviously, we're not going to go get Carlos Rondon. Um, you know, he can opt out, but I think he's he's going he's got big lights and money signs in his eyes. Um, you got Kershaw. If he's leaving L.A., he's going to Texas. That's out of the question. But guys like uh, Tyler Anderson, uh, Martin Perez, Sean Manea, those kind of intrigue me a little bit. So that's if we're looking for another lefty starter, that's the route I'd go. You know, but I also am not opposed to going for righties in the in the uh, starting rotation with Flexin or Brash taking that spot. So I mean, it's it's very up in the air right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to, you know, full righties. I, I like the idea of having a lefty in the bullpen just, you know, for a lefty-ready split here and there. Um, but by the way, did you know that Oliver Perez still pitched in a game this year? Kind of kind of interesting little... Uh, Ooh, who did he pitch for? Guys. Who did he pitch he for? Pitched for the, he pitched for the Diamondbacks. I think he got released pretty shortly after, but he only pitched like four innings. But um, talk about a dude that's still... Uh, Still kicking, right? He was um, but he anyways. was pitching for the Pirates when I think we were in middle school. So that was a long oh, yeah. time ago. Oh yeah, MVP <laughs> MVP baseball two thousand MVP baseball two thousand five. Oliver Perez was was one of my go to. But anyways, so Marco Gonzalez, like I, Marco's a guy that um, has always outperformed the stats. I feel like right, the statistics will tell you. Um, you know, your your expected ERA, your expected fielding, fielding independent pitching, that'll all tell you that Marco Gonzalez is going to be, like, not good the next season, right? And the guy just, like, continuously outdoes it, right? Like, he just – I don't know what it is about him, but he just has this this drive, whatever you want to call it, this data energy that he describes as right now as, like – he just has a drive to like continue to pitch well for the Mariners, right? And it makes me think that maybe he is just like a perfect fifth starter, right? Like I think that um, you know he 
he doesn't really throw the ball much harder than 90 miles per hour anymore, which I feel like could be a little bit of a concern because, you know, once the difference between your fastball and your changeup um, changes a lot, right? Um, you know, that's when you kind of start to see guys' career take a change, right? Is when they're just, when your fastball looks like your changeup, guys kind of hit it a lot easier, right? So, yeah. Um, I think he's a perfect fifth starter um, to start the season with. I would be okay with them starting with him in the fifth spot. Um, I'd be interested to see if he wants to go to the bullpen, if there can be um, you know, maybe a couple of ticks on his um, fastball that comes out of there. Maybe he becomes, you know, a crafty lefty out of the pen. I don't think he's, I'm trying to remember. I don't, I don't think he's ever come out of the pen in a mirror uniform. Um, no, nope, I don't think he, he may has. have, he may have, he, I, I can't remember. He may have as a Cardinal maybe once or twice, but that's cause he was just kind of getting called up. So, mm-hmm. um, anyways, I, I, I love Marco. Like I said, I saw him play at Gonzaga. Um, I would love to see him kind of grab that fifth spot. Um, but, uh, I do feel like there are some pretty good options, right? Chris, Chris Flexen being one of them. Um, I'm a big Matt Brash fan. I think Matt Brash should still get another chance to start because, um, if you can catch that that lightning in a bottle with a starter like that, um, man, that would be uh, that'd be a dominant force through the, through those five guys. But mm-hmm. um, again, I think they're in a really good spot, right? If Matt Brash doesn't want to start, um, they're not trusting him as a starter. We know what he can do as a reliever. Um, Chris Flexen's a little bit of a different story. We don't quite know how he would react or how he would do coming out of the bullpen. Um, I don't see the Mariners making any play, unlike. Um, starting pitching on the starting yeah. pitching front, like the free agent side, I think unless there's some sort of injury that occurs, like um, that's the only way I can see that really occurring. Maybe they, maybe they go chase somebody in the free agent market, like go get Matthew Boyd again. Um, but uh, you know, Eddie Diaz and Andrew Chafin and those other guys that kind of up top there, I don't really see them making any plays for those guys. Um, they've kind of got a lot of in-house options for that. I think it would be, like I said, it had to be an injury, it had to be something like that. I think to bring somebody on, I think Marco's the perfect fixed starter, um, and you know that may change. And like I said, we have other internal options like Dollard and Hancock and everybody else that I think actually might get shots next year too. So yeah. um, I would, I'm not, I don't. It doesn't bother me one bit if Marco, the fifth game of the season, takes the ball. You know what? I, we last week we talked about JP being a leader on this team, and I really think Marco is another type of guy that is a leader on this team. And so I would hope that he wants to do what's best for this team. He wants to succeed and he wants to, to be that guy. Uh, But at the same time, why would, I I guess I should pose this question to you, Bo. Why would you want Marco getting the ball every fifth start? Um, and again, he's a great innings eater, but he's such a competitor that why, I guess not from your perspective, look at it at like Marco's perspective. Why am I going to go eat all these innings and then be left off the playoff roster? Again, in my hopes, I hope he's a team guy, but he's you know also shown he's a competitor with the whole, I don't throw sexy, I just go out there and throw a ball, the ball, and you know he's got that dad vibe to him. If he's such a competitor, why, you know, as looking at it from Marco's perspective, why do I want to be a part of a team that's going to lead me off the playoff roster? That's fair. That's fair. I, 
I think that there is a a Homer aspect to Marco Gonzalez. He lives here in the off season. He's obviously a Zag. He, I think, loves the city. Um, so I think there's that Homer aspect to him. And you know, if you're with a team and the team goes and wants to win the World Series, and even if you're not on the roster, you still get a ring, right? So like, I think there's still what? some motivation for that. And I would, and, and there's also. Um, you have to talk about the contractual aspect of this. People forget that we signed, we bought out Marco's um, arbitration years and Marco's going to be with Marco's contractually signed to this team through the 2024 season. Now there's obviously not, obviously if he, you know, if it, if it all comes undone and Marco's looks like he's done next year, they can make the changes to that. But Marco's contractually signed through 2024 season, which he's going to get, he's going to make almost like $12 million in 2024. So talking about bad contracts and everything else, but like, uh, Marco's still contractually signed to this team. He's a homer. I think he's a good leadership presence. I think he's a perfect fifth starter. If it doesn't work out, let's try him in the bullpen. And if it doesn't work out there, then we can have another conversation about what should happen to him. But um, I feel like fifth starter, it's a low risk slot. Um, mm-hmm. Unless they're really, really diving into Taylor Dollard or they really, really want to try Matt Brash, then sure, let's go for it. But it's a low risk spot. And let's just see if he's got a couple more innings to get us to a Taylor Dollard or an Emerson Hancock or somebody like that. Um, kind of in May or June, like we did with George Kirby this year. Right. So. Um, we'll yeah. See. Yeah. And it, we can argue too, you know, you talk about having lefties in the rotation. What if we're adding another lefty or two into the pen, whether that again, bring back Matt Boyd or, you know, sign someone like a Matt Moore or a Jake McGee or, or, something of that nature. What if we just had more lefties in the pen? Um, wouldn't that maybe be more preferable? I don't know, but um, you know, that's something we should definitely look at. Um, I think goals wise going forward, maybe, maybe get another lefty out of the pen. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. And I don't know. You threw out some names. You're probably more familiar with the, those names than I am, but like, I just haven't really thought too much about the pitching free agent side. Cause I just think that we're going to throw, we'll, we're going to dive into it deep next week. Right. But like, I think we're going to throw all our money at one of the, one of the big guys there. But um, yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't mind a big lefty, right. Especially somebody that could kind of get big outs for us. I'm not maybe to an Andres Menuno's level, but some sort of big lefty that we can rely upon that if like Jordan Alvarez is pretty well against lefties. Right. But if there's like a big lefty, like Bryce Harper or something like that. Right. Um, uh, we might have a little suspect, but if it's like Matthew Boyd, no offense to Matthew Boyd, but um, you know, like a bigger lefty probably would give us, you know, a lot of, uh, um, you know, give us less concern there, but yeah, um, I don't really know. I don't really know if there's anybody, maybe you, maybe you've seen one of the stats on one that you like more than the others, but um, you know, I don't really have a name that I think kind of sticks out to me. I mean, if we're just looking at the war, obviously Taylor Rogers would be the best lefty uh, reliever according to war. Um, you know, guys like Andrew Chaffin, he's got a player option. Um, you know, so I, I really think we'd be out on those names. Uh, but, you know, guys like Matt Moore, former starter in, in Tampa Bay, goes to kind of bounces around, goes to the Giants, um, where they kind of reinvent him as a reliever. Um, that would be intriguing. Jake McGee uh, at one point had a really uh, plus fastball. 
Uh, played for the Rockies, played for the Giants, played for, I think, Washington is where he ended up this season. Uh, he would probably be a good a good lefty uh, arm out of the pen. And then, obviously, Matt Boyd, I, I think the most realistic options bring it back Matt Boyd. I think we need to get a year with him and see what we got with him. Um, we didn't give up much trading for him this year. Um, so, you know, sign him back. He's a homebody. You know, he's from Washington. Let's give him a shot. Um, but, yeah. Are you, are you telling me that you don't want Justice Sheffield coming out of the pen? Is that what you're telling me right now? I, You know what? I think he'd do decent in the pen. I think he would. Uh, does he want to move to the pen? I don't know. I think his time with the team is it, that ship has sailed. I I think uh, either we need to cut our losses and just say, hey, this is not going to work out. Let him go find another team, or vice versa. You know, he needs to ask and see if he can get released so he can go find another team. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think justice is is that type of person. You know what I'm realizing right now? I'm really sounding like you. I kind of sound like you when I'm, I'm saying that. Because there's a lot of times I've asked you questions about players and that's your exact response. That ship is sailed. This is quite the role reversal you've got going on. Yeah, there's a lot of guys. Like, if you go to the AAA roster, like, Ryanus was one of those guys. The ship has probably sailed. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Blast from the past on there, right? Nick Marjajevis is on there. A Stecken is on there. Um, like, uh, I don't want to say the ship has sailed for some of these guys. Tommy Malone is still on there. I don't know if Tommy Malone is still on there. Mm, but, wait, he didn't get released. Um, I That's wonder, kind of wild. I thought he was released. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I just there's like there's guys that I think the ship is the ship is getting close. Justice Sheffield is certainly one of those. Yeah, like like you said though, like I think he's a guy that. Um, I would be interested, like if he came out of the bullpen, if he wanted to put a little more juice on the ball and try to see if he could, you know, be a little bit of a stronger option out of the pen. But um, I just don't know if that's something that he wants to do there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a there's a couple of guys in AAA that I think their time is getting suspect about whether or not they're still going to be in this organization. But um, yeah, Ricky, you're coming to the dark side in terms of just players that, um, you know what, it's time to move on. Right. So yeah, um, yeah. you are. And apparently, and apparently Marco's apparently one of those guys coming from you. you Mar- Seattle sports fan. So Marco, if you're um, listening, it's nothing personal. I love you, man. You know, go Bulldogs. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we step it up and, and we find, what's best for the team going forward because I think there is a place on the team, just not as a starter. Like I said, my, if I'm, if I'm thinking about this, if I, what I would like to happen is Marco is a, Marco is a step guy towards somebody else, Taylor Dollard, Emerson Hancock, maybe it's Matt Brash, maybe Luke Weaver fills in, right? Like Mm -hmm. one of the young guys, Marco got, Marco is a transition piece, right? Out of that fifth starter role to one of those guys, right? That is, I think that would be very fitting for Marco to to go that way, right? Like, I don't think he'll leave the organization, but um, I would love for him to try to transition into something different, Mm -hmm. right? And like one of these other guys, one of these younger guys come up and, um, yeah, fill that fifth starter role and um, see how it goes from there. You know what I can see with Marco? 
and this isn't necessarily something that's going to happen in the next three or five years. Like, I could see Marco being a pitching coach someplace, starting the minor leagues, but being that uh, Mel Stoudemire, um, you know, Mike Maddox type that has that major league experience and maybe uh, wasn't the best pitcher, wasn't the biggest name, but really has the knowledge to pass on to future generations of of pitchers that are coming into the league. I can see that happen with Marco. Yeah, hundred percent. I feel like that's uh it's a good that's a good prediction for where Marco might um I think his future end up going. Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good yeah. way to looking at it. I was you had it you had it in the show notes that um Marco there could have been some hope that Marco was a little bit of the the Jamie Moyer type, right? Maybe he's just going to pitch forever. So I'm going to hold out hope because I, because I like Marco and I would love to see him uh, kind of continue to pitch, but uh, I think Jamie could maybe be not until he's 40. Years, so. I, mean, I think Jamie, you know what? I think Jamie Moyer, if worse comes to worse, let's just go get Jamie Moyer this season and just throw he, him in the fifth. You season. know what? He's like guy 62. Could still, guy could probably still do it. Guy could probably still do it. But uh, anyways, I don't think Marco's going to pitch to 49, but I really hope he does. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I'm going to key back on something you just said, you know, you said a little while ago, it'll be seen whether the Mariners go in and spend at least a little bit in pitching, because I think we know that the, that the key going forward is going to be the offense. Um, and I think that's where a lot of our money is going to be allocated, but you never know. Go sign Matt Boyd, maybe go get a, another lefty uh, pen person. Only time's going to tell with this front office. You never know. Jerry DePoto could be working up a trade right now. We don't know. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be an interesting offseason pitching aspect um, just to see what uh, they're thinking and what him and, and Hollander uh, really, really have planned for this team. Yep. Um, again, I, I love the pitching staff. I love the pitching that we have in place. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, I think it's a little bit of a wild card with the the pitch clock next year. I don't really know how that's going to affect the Mariners, right? Um, I don't know how it's going to affect a lot of teams. I think there'll be some players. I think that could be a little bit of a, a wild card to some teams, but I'll be curious to see how that plays into the teams as well. Um, but on the whole, right, like uh, I think we're in a pretty solid spot going into the off season. I think I, I like that Luke Weaver pickup, um, Jerry working fast. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, super interesting to see how the rest of the off is going to unfold on the, no, outside of the pitching staff, I think that's where we're going to spend our money and, um, you know, looking forward to diving more into that, I think next week, yep. but, um, yep. yeah, the pitching side, um, very exciting time with the Seattle Mariners, very exciting time. If you're, uh, if you're young and you're up and coming and watching this team, a lot of young guys to kind of get behind. So um, it's a super exciting time for uh, to fall behind this pitching staff. Yep, yep. Well, Bill, I, I think that's it for episode two. Um, you kind of uh, previewed it for next week. Next week we're uh, going to start looking into the uh, impending free agent market. You know, you got the big names in there. You got Judge. Um, you got Stanton. Or, excuse me, Stanton. Did I just say Stanton? You got Judge, you got Trey Turner, um, you know, you got the big names. So uh, we're going to start taking a look at, at who we can realistically bring in. You know, it's it's kind of hard to look into the crystal ball 
when you've got someone like Depoto um, guiding the ship. But uh, we're going to do our best to to see who realistically we can we can uh, bring into this squad. So definitely tune in next week. We're going to have another great show for you. Bo, you got any uh, closing words before we uh, get out of here? <sighs> Just uh, no, super excited to dive into it. Um, there's a lot of good fits for the Mariners. Um, we'll pick our brains about where we think everybody should line up and who will be the kind of the best fits for the Mariners. And even if they're not good fits, right, how they will fit into this team eventually. So, um, yeah, we'll debate about that and kind of dive further into it. So, really looking forward to that. But um, no, this is uh, this has been awesome today, Rick. Appreciate the appreciate the convo and um, yeah, looking forward to next week. Yep. Hey, I appreciate you too, Bill. And I appreciate all our fans. You know, you guys are making worth it. It worth it. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Um, we're gonna continue to try to bring out the best shows possible. So, you know, we're we're getting there slowly but surely. So, anyways, for all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, again, thank you for taking your time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we're going to see you guys next week. 